Hey guys, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of The Passive Hang. My name's Fayon, and today we're going to go have an interesting chat with the man, Daniel Lucini. Now, Dan is a trainer from Sydney. I met him last year, and this is a guy who is putting in the work. He is out there almost every single day before anybody is up, out on the beach, before the sunrise, and he's putting in the time for his own movement practice. It's amazing to watch. He's also out there sharing his thoughts openly and honestly, so it goes beyond the physical as well, and we chat about that and what that means. And he really shares openly and honestly about his story, about his approach, about how he also uses his practice to help benefit others, namely you know, the, the clients that he's, that he's serving. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this one. You know, when you see a lot of these guys on the gram, they appear to be, I guess, these these almost imaginary people. But Dan is a real down-to-earth human. You know, I've met him a couple of times now in person, and it was a it was a honor to sit down and have this chat with him and get a little bit deeper into his brain. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. This is The Passive Hang. My name is Fayon, and here we go. All good. All right. All good. Well, yeah, I guess we'll just we'll just kick it off. Like I didn't, I had a few questions in mind, and but I don't really know how this is going to run. So I guess we'll just we'll just let it flow, right? We'll just we'll just talk normally, and then I'm going to trust the good stuff is is all going to come out naturally, right? So yeah, we'll let it happen. Easy. <laughs> um, I'll do a little intro, I guess. So you know, uh, you and I, um, Dan. We met last year at Vic's Art of Coaching. I think that was the first time when, when we met, yeah? Yeah, at AIM, yeah. Yeah, so AIM, AIM's a facility down in, in Sydney run by Vic Hawksley. I got involved with that, got invited and flew up there for this, um, for this event. And I remember in that session, yeah, you, you know, you sort of go in there, you start like checking everyone out. You're like, oh, who is everyone? What's all their story? <laughs> I remember I saw you across from the room and you know your appearance with your with all your hair man I was just like who's this guy <laughs> yeah I think I had a unicorn shirt on as well I would have, would have stood out a little bit that day yeah yeah and so I remember you were just like busting out this um like front lever progression like I think you stepped up and then you explained that or it was, it was that or, or a car sort of thing and I was like okay yeah this guy seems to know what he's talking about what what's his story yeah yeah i did the, the cars demonstration that day yeah 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 it was awesome so um yeah i guess since then we've we've been able to connect a little bit and you know last what was it, a, a few weeks ago oh last week we went rock stacking at maruba beach and i thought that was that was awesome man yeah, it was a really awesome experience, man. It's good to be able to re-catch up after staying connected online um, and, yeah, get involved with some movement and plenty of good chat that day as well, which was a pretty inspiring day in general for me. Yeah, I think definitely, like, keeping the connection alive is, like, one of the the most awesome things that when you enter into this sort of this sort of space or this this community, this culture, whatever you want to call it, is, like, one of the one of the greatest joys. Yeah, for sure, man. It's it's something we talked about on the day, but it's you can have your personal practice, and that's a really important part uh, mm. of the journey. But 
the connection that you can develop with other people and with other groups. It's, it's where the real magic happens. Yeah. Um, but maybe we should like kick it off. Maybe do you just want to give like a little intro to yourself, like who you are, what you're about, what you, what you're doing right now? Yeah. So yeah, I'm Daniel. Uh, I'm a strength and conditioning coach or performance coach or whatever, whatever term you want to give it uh, down in Sydney. Um, I've had a bit of a journey with my career, sort of starting off as a personal trainer and I went into the elite sport world for a while, did two or three years, or about three years in elite sport before realizing that I, I wanted to make more of an impact at an individual level. Uh, so I started uh, getting back into uh, more private work and working at different gyms and just exploring around. And I'm sort of at a point now where I've gone solo, uh, finally, after some you know great jobs before and some great learning that I've had from those situations. But I've uh, decided to go solo and let my own uh, practice and coaching style start to have, have its own shape, basically. Uh, right now, I work online uh, with people and generally just looking for a, a change in their fitness. Uh, the move away from the traditional into something a little bit more alternative, I guess you might call it. Um, but then there's also still that just traditional strength conditioning element. Uh, and another thing that I'm, I've sort of recently got into in the, over the last year, which is a big, uh, I guess, value builder for me, is the coaching of coaches. Um, I've worked really hard to try and educate and uh, build up the standard of the industry that we're all a part of. Uh, I spent too long sort of sitting there and moping and complaining about some of the things I was seeing. And I thought, well, it's time to do something about it um, and put some of the experience and the learning that I've had um, and let it be shared with others. Um, there's no reason to hold on to it to myself. Yeah. Awesome, man. That sounds, um, I guess, like, what is it that you would say that you specialize in? Like you say, if an individual comes to, to you, what, what do you provide? Yeah, so my, my specialty is in athletic development. Um, if you want to get better at your sport or you want to just become more athletic, even if you don't necessarily play a sport, that's where I sort of specialise. Speed development, power, um, power lifting as well. I have quite an extensive background in that, both as a, well, not extensive as an athlete, but I did a little bit <laughs> of it, reasonably extensive as a coach. Um, and I still work with quite a few powerlifters. But yeah, athletic development. Uh, but then the other side of it is... Uh, that introduction to the intention setting side of, of movement practice, moving beyond the physical element, although that's still always a part of it. That's why we do it. We, we want to be developing that. Um, but I also dive more into the why are we doing this? How can we direct what we're doing to improve a certain attribute or develop ourselves in the direction that we want to go? The movement has really never been the thing it's just a tool to access what the thing really is and whatever that thing is, is, is what you want it to be and what's going to benefit you. And we, we work hard to find what that is and direct what we're doing to help improve that uh, or expose it to yourself. Yeah, man, I really feel you on that. It's, um, you know, the movement or physical practice, however you want to term it, is just like a vehicle for, for under, understanding the self. And I think I've been seeing recently, you know, you've been posting a lot of stuff for the, around this concept more than, more than movement, um, which I, I think is really interesting. And the, the term like encapsulates that feeling well, but maybe do you want to expand a little bit more on what, what that's all about? Yeah, sure. So More Than Movement is, is a course uh, that I run with my friend uh, and colleague, Joel Mullen. Um, we designed it last year. 
Uh, we did our first run of it and it's basically designed about just doing that. It's applying more to your movement practice. It's getting more than the physical out of something that's already beneficial in that sense, but let's see what else we can get out of it. What else can we sort of maximize our time and the value that we're receiving from something? Uh, we're currently working on our second round of it with a focus this year will be on creativity and critical thinking. So it's applying different, uh, I guess, mental practices or meditative practices such as journaling, stillness, things like that into a movement practice to help bring out creativity, bring out your ability to critically think. Um, and you get to sort of reap the rewards of that by sort of asking better questions and, you know, forgetting about the answers so much. <laughs> um yeah that sounds like super super interesting and i'm i guess i always wonder like how about like your personal journey yourself into into this like you mentioned before like you were in the elite sports like more more of a team environment right than going into individual coaching was this side something like how, how did it all start for you on this this side outside of the physical yeah, so yeah, I guess most things happen to us first and then we sort of start applying it. And we, we always try to say, no, it's not our bias. But most strength coaches who come from a powerlifting background put more powerlifting stuff in their programs and stuff like that. So I guess our own journey is pretty important in, in the story. So, uh, yeah, mine started off, uh, I played sport my entire life. I was really into sport and was really into the performance side. Like I was super numbers driven. I was super just focused on getting better athletic athletically. Um, what sport did you play? I played uh, football, soccer, uh, cricket and tennis were my main uh, sort of sports. Dabbled in a bit of martial arts as well. Um, but they were the main ones that took up every afternoon or sometimes two sports in an afternoon. Um, but then as I got older, um, I guess because I was doing so much, I never really excelled at a sport to a certain point. And because I'm someone who really needs like success, uh, to feel good about what I'm doing. I kind of lost a little bit of motivation around that. And as you go into those teenage years and the partying starts and things like that, I broke away from sport, uh, but I got into the gym pretty early. Uh, I had a pretty cool teacher in uh, year nine who was pretty gung-ho about the gym. So he got us, he got us in there and, and fell in love with that pretty quick. Um, and because I was, as like I said, very numbers driven before and I like to see the performance side, powerlifting sort of stood out. I was already training in the gym a lot and powerlifting had a real numbers element. So I started to get into that maybe around 17, 18. And I progressed with that for a while. And it was sort of my thing. It was like, I'm going to do this forever. I think we should all be squat benching and deadlifting because it's the greatest thing for your health. And I was really, really stuck in that world. And um, not that it isn't good in its element, but it's, it's not the only thing. And that's what I didn't see then. I was kind of blind to it. And uh, so as this progressed, I was maybe 20, 21 at this point. This is when I started working in the sport as I was finishing my bachelor's degree. Um, and everything then started to happen at the same time. So I had a powerlifting meet, had my best numbers ever, felt super, super strong. Um, you know, squatted over five plates, they lifted over seven. Pretty much felt like I was the strongest person on earth. And then I had a day in the gym where we're meant to be moving stuff around. And there was a bunch of guys in there who just weren't as strong as me that I, I thought because they didn't have a squat or a deadlift like I did. And they were moving stuff around super easily and I was struggling, like really struggling. I couldn't pick things up. I couldn't walk with them. I couldn't move with them. And I was just like, this isn't right. Like I'm missing something here. Like I thought I was strong. Why do I feel like I'm not strong? 
Uh, and I'd sort of started to see some things online, like uh, Strong Camps or, or Daniel Murakami on uh, Instagram was a bit of an influence at the start, or a pretty big influence at the start. Um, and I saw that he was able to move in different ways and also be a beast. I was like, okay, well, this, you know, it's starting to appeal to me. I'm, I'm someone who's performance-driven. That's performance. Let's, let's dive into that. Um, and at the same time, I also had some personal stuff happening at home uh, and some sort of hard lessons of being learned uh, from that, from the sort of grief that goes along with that. And I realized that my basic thinking and my money-driven, work-driven attitude wasn't really bringing me any joy. I was working, you know, 70 hours a week. I was training in the gym two hours just to do a squat and a deadlift. And I just realized that I wasn't receiving the value that I thought I wanted from something I loved so much. And as much as I continued to tell everyone I loved it, uh, I knew that there was really a gap. So I started to look deeper into it. And I started my own sort of meditative process and, and journaling and sort of looked into some stillness work. And I started to figure out that it was like I wanted to understand my body better and through that the more I understood my body the more I understood myself uh, it might sound a bit cheesy but it, it became really true and really clear um, and I just sort of started continuing to explore um, very lonesome in the start I was very uh, very personal in my practice I never sought out a teacher early on mm. um, potentially was a I guess it not the most optimal way, but it was always been my way to do it anyway. I like figuring stuff out. Did you, um, did you ask for help? Like maybe not a teacher, but like a friend or family member. Uh, how did you go about it? No, not really. I just sort of just started copying stuff that I saw online basically. Mm. Uh, and whatever I gained from that, I sort of applied my own knowledge uh, into because at this time I was, I just finished my master's degree as well. So I had that wake up call as well that maybe that all this super scientific lab based research also wasn't the only answers. And I was having that realization as well. So the people I went to uni with, I couldn't really relate to very well when I was working at the elite sport, they were very, very research regimented traditional strength conditioning. So I couldn't really relate to them too well. I was working in a gym where I was again, strength based and I was like, I kind of felt very alone with it um, only because I didn't seek it out. That's, that's, that's a reality of it. But in the end I felt like that. Uh, so I just decided just to experiment and play and I started sharing the process um, and through sharing the process, I think is where the most, uh, I guess, lessons and understanding came in from that. Yeah. I guess it takes a sort of like self bravery to really question what you do as well. Like um, when you come up to those, those, like transformative points where you kind of jump off the pier, right? Like it sounded like, you know, you were really hitting like a really top level in a field where you got so much out of. And then when you got to the top, it was kind of like, ah, oh, this isn't, this isn't what I, I thought it was going to be. Um, I much, guess, yeah. I guess it must've been a really, really hectic time for you during, during that period. Yeah, my dream and aspiration from the second I got into uni was pretty much to become an elite level strength coach, working with international teams or working overseas in the Premier League or something like that. I was pretty gun-ho driven on it. And like you said, you get that realisation, you go, oh, shit, this isn't what I want. What do I want? Mm -hmm. And that's when you really got to start looking inside and asking yourself the tough questions. But it is hard. Yeah, I guess during that reflective process, maybe you have like, uh, quite a strong process now, but you know, during that time, 
did you do anything specific in terms of like how you asked yourself um, or like what questions you were asking? Maybe do you want to um, jump in a bit deeper on, on that? Yeah, sure. So it, it started off with like the Google search. <laughs> how do I, how do I start to meditate? How do I begin these things? Um, living in the modern world, we may as well take advantage of things. Yep. And I started using guided uh, meditation processes and things like that. And honestly, I never really, don't think I got much out of it um, until I started really looking into what the purpose of it was. And the purpose wasn't to breathe a hundred times and count it every time with a four second exhale. Or it wasn't mm. the, the purpose wasn't to clench my muscles and then relax the muscles. The purpose was to start becoming aware of what I'm actually feeling. And in order to do that, I had to increase like my emotional vocabulary. Anyone that knows me maybe three years ago knows that I was a quite a, shut off i guess yeah shut off uh unemotional person i kind of had i was either angry or kind of happy and that was pretty much it there was no <laughs> to my emotions so i had to start increasing my vocabulary there vocabulary there so that was the biggest one at first was like admitting when i felt away uh at first admitting it to myself and that came through journaling mm. that was a, a big part of the process and then eventually i i started sharing with other people and that's when everything took off so it was the ability to just feel something, know that I was feeling it, but admit that I was feeling it. Because you all know, we always know when we feel something that's not right, but mm. kind of mask it or we'll deny it or we'll start watching Netflix or eat a tub of ice cream to hide it instead. Yep. Um, and that might be necessary sometimes, but it's the honesty that comes with it. I think it was a big thing. And with the journaling practice, was that something that also was new into your life or have you been doing that all the time? Yeah, so I'd, I'd used journaling as a training log before, but it never for anything outside of that. Like I hadn't even thought about touching it. Um, so I just started using prompts that I found online. Again, Google, how to start a journaling practice. And I think that revealed more than the meditation at first. The meditation took a lot longer to start doing anything. It was probably on and off for about 18 months before I really started to feel a benefit from that. But the journaling was pretty quick because it forces you, it's putting it in front of you. You can't just uh, get caught up in the process too much because you see it in front of you, the results that come out. Um, and as you get more uh, better at being honest with yourself, the clearer results come out as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's a practice that I engage in with as well. Like I've gone sem really, really regular with it um, at times and then sometimes a bit more relaxed. And I think it's like the cheapest form of self-therapy that you can probably engage with. Exactly. Yeah. It's the easiest. It's sharing with yourself is going to be easier than sharing with someone else. So it, it really does give you that, that access to, like I said, free therapy. Yeah. But you mentioned like you eventually started sharing it with others as well, I guess. Yeah. At what point did you, or what, what was the thinking behind that? Like what happened there uh, when you were suddenly like, okay, like maybe it's time to share or I can step outside of myself at, because this, this is really like deeply personal stuff as well, right? So it would have been pretty confronting. Yeah, uh, I guess it started with a close friend. Uh, I was able to open up to a little bit. And upon reflection on that through further meditation, I was able to realize that that's, that sort of relieved a little bit. That gave me a bit more confidence in myself, uh, just being able to share it there. So as I got more confident, I would share with another friend. And... Uh, Within this process as well, I also had a 
bit of a, like a psychedelic experience. And one of the big sort of lessons or things that came to me during that was the emphasis on sharing, sharing the lessons, um, spreading it throughout everybody's consciousness so we can all sort of progress further and further. And that was the wake up call. And that was the day that I, I can't remember what the first post was, but it was some really cheesy thing that I did on Instagram. It was kind of super long and it was, you know, those cheesy sunset photos. And mm. um, I probably went on someone else's page and looked for ideas on exactly what to write, but there was elements of myself in it. And it got received not very well. And, but the people, uh, so not very broadly, but the people that did, it seemed to have impact. And that brought me a lot of value. And the more I shared and the more honestly I shared, was the biggest part again whenever i notice that there's a lack of honesty in the share it doesn't have the same result for myself or or anyone else reading um so that became a thing and then eventually i think about 18 months ago i started an email service mm -hmm. where i really started to open up and and share my thoughts and my feelings and it became almost an online journal uh, of course some elements that still don't get shared in there but uh, a lot of it did and I think the value that was received and the messages you received back remind you that you were doing the right thing there because somebody's getting helped. Yeah. They know it or not. I think personally for me, you know, I see um, you as one of the, the people that is, you're just sharing so much constantly, like every day and it serves as an inspiration for myself. You know, I go on Instagram and, you know, Daniel's there with, it's not just like a, a post either, you know, but you're giving like real value with the way that you're opening up honestly. And then I might log onto my email and I'm like, Oh, like, Holy shit. Like Daniel's written like an email blog post as well. And again, it goes beyond the normal sort of email blog posts that I get because there's, there's depth there and it's like, it's really like long form content as well. Um, is that something that you, that, that you've purposely designed or had, what, what do you think when you go through this sharing process? Like, do you, is it really regimented? Is it just spur of the moment? Like, um, yeah. What goes through your head? Yeah. Uh, it's unusual because in my general day to day life, I'm a very organized regimented this is the schedule I plan it six weeks out and nothing changes in that six weeks. And if it does, it's annoying. But when it comes to this part of me, it's, it is kind of sporadic. It's when an idea is there, I like to run with it. Um, I made it after like some lessons and, and conversations with other people. Uh, I learned that I really needed to just do what feels good to me. So sometimes it's kind of subtle and here's just a quick lesson, but the days that I feel like writing, I just write and I try not to think about, is somebody going to enjoy reading this? Is the structure right? Is this too long for someone? Is this too short? Is the picture too cheap? Like whatever that is, I try to move past that and go, what do I feel in the moment? If I feel really wordy, I'm going to be as wordy as I can. I never proofread. I never go over my work. It's something raw. It's something free that I'm doing. It's not a service that someone's paying for. So I do it for myself. Uh, it's a selfish process more than anything. Uh, but there's always that hope that it's providing value out there as well. And uh, I think writing raw and honestly is more valuable than trying to make it sound perfect because it's gonna, it's only going to sound perfect to you, not to anyone. Yeah, man. I think that's a really important reminder there to, you know, you can, you can sit on these things and like what, what is better really like uh, in the end, if it gets stuck and it doesn't get shared as well, um, it kind of is just for you. But then if you go out and, and ship it out, 
then it becomes something more than more than you um you must see that as well like do do, do a lot of people come back to you and engage with the content that that you provide do you find that yeah for sure and, and like i said like the more raw and honest it is the more feedback it seems to get and things that are uh, like as special as we all are, we all go through a lot of the same things and we might think we don't, but when you start putting it out there, you realize that other people do. And just going back to the other point, for example, as a strength coach, there's plenty of people out there who are really happy to make a post about how to improve someone's squat or how to improve someone's, you know, by using a, a clamshell or a band, whatever it is. And they're really confident to put that out. But realistically, they don't know everything about it. And in five years' time, they're probably going to know a lot more than they do right now. But for some reason, when it comes to sharing the more mental or spiritual side of things, people think they have to know it all. They have to have a complete understanding of it. It's just because they're more aware that they don't understand it all. When we come to like other things that we think we're experts in, we think we understand it all. So we just go for it. So it's that confidence, it's that confidence to share during the shift and during your own process of understanding mm. that enables other people to relate more. If you're coming from a position of this is, you know, I know this, I've figured this out about myself, I'm doing this, this and this, it's not relatable because, you know, everybody's in that transition part of their journey all the time. Mm. They never reach a destination because it's always evolving, right? Yeah, this is really interesting here because you're right, like, uh, you know, what, what I see on the internet as well is like these two worlds, like always existing quite separately, you know, like you can find... I don't know, like a billion tutorials on how to squat now, right? Like you can just go through to Instagram and search that hashtag and you won't have any lack of choice there. And it feels like similarly represented on the spiritual side as well. Like you search meditation um, and there's this huge explosion now of that side. Um, but it exists separately, you know, you have on one side the 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 very technical guidance on like the fitness exercise world and then yeah almost like the technical guidance on how to meditate but the fusion between the two i guess is, is this like the crossover which you are trying to help help change like um yeah maybe do you want to riff on that uh, a bit yeah pretty much that's what it is it's like you're seeing it more and more now i think uh, this is something we discussed the other day, but the, the movement culture or, you know, whatever part of that is you want to talk about or name it, it's starting to do that already because in order to become a really good mover, you generally have to have a really good understanding uh, of your body. Mm -hmm. And we, when we dive in and try to understand our body, we start to understand our mind as well. So there's already that link starting to form, but there isn't much information about it. There's not much talk about it. So that's, yeah, what the main like premise of more the movement is. It's, it's like, here, we're going to help you with some strategies and here are some different ways in which you can start linking these things or realizing that it's happening um, before it's sort of you missed an opportunity to get a lot of growth out of it. So say someone comes to you for, for like coaching, maybe it's like from the strength and conditioning world, you know, um, how do you start introducing this conversation to them? Like what, how do you normally term it? Right, yeah. So if someone who's coming in for, I guess, like pure athletic stuff, it's it's something you want to do really slowly uh, because they're not there for that. And mm. regardless of how important I think it is, they're there for their goal and that's always going to be my main purpose. But within that, we start to figure out ways we can integrate. 
For example, breathing work is going to be an accessory to recovery. And as we start implementing breathing work, it can start to put someone into that state and then they might figure something else out. Uh, I like to use journaling because it's part of an intention setting. So that's very important for athletes as well. So that's a way to guide them into that. It's basically important to link it back to whatever they're doing or whatever their goal is. If they don't see a value in it and it's not uh, related, you can't force that. It's not something that you go, no, here, we're going to discover more about yourself through this squat today. Someone needs to come to you and be ready for that. Mm. So, sure, you can give them little things that are going to get them involved with that side of it a little bit. But realistically, unless they're coming to me for that, I'll never really force it upon them. Yeah, I think that's also a really important point because sometimes when you discover these new worlds as well, you can get really excited, right? Um, Because you know the personal impact for yourself. But then when you then try to teach it to somebody, if they're not really asking or they don't, see that link it can just sort of fly over their heads right um i think you and i were talking about it the other day about even the term movement like you you say movement to the normal person and and you just met with like kind of blank looks like they don't they don't know what the hell you're, you're talking about uh, yeah but, like moving house or <laughs> yeah but it means so much to like i guess the person in, inside of that as well so yeah, um, it sounds, you know, with the service that you normally provide with, with people, you, you try to always step a little bit more outside of what they're specifically asking for as well. Like, um, you know, when, you, when you're looking at design, designing or giving them content for, for, say, like X sort of person who comes to you and goes, oh, you know, I just want to sprint faster. Yeah. How, how, how does how does your approach um how do you tailor your approach normally for for that person who comes to you and says well he, maybe this is a good scenario they're like oh, i want x you know like i want to run 100 meters under like 11 seconds but you kind of know that maybe they they need a bit more of of why um how, how do you tailor this approach to that individual yeah so it's the what they want versus what they need type mm-hmm. thing Look, it's, it's always a massive challenge because somebody is always going to come to you with their bias. They're, they're coming to you as a coach, but they're also thinking that I know I need to squat two times body weight to sprint faster. Well, so they think that they need to squat two times body weight. So if you don't give them that, they may not trust you. So the biggest process at the beginning is building rapport and building trust. And that comes from getting results towards their goal. The more results you can get them towards their goal quickly, um, the more they're going to be open to the things that you think that they need the most. Because in the end, sure, I might think they need this and they want that, but I don't really know what they need. Uh, I can only know what they want. And to disrespect the person in the sense of saying what that they, that what they want is not what they need is maybe me thinking I know a little bit more than I do as well. Mm. So it is a balance there. I think it's important to give them what they want at the start, unless it's completely like you just, it goes against everything I think I know, then it will become an education process and a teaching process. Um, and then from there, it's just as you build trust, you slowly start to introduce other things. But again, if these other things that you start to introduce aren't getting the results in a positive way, it's not going to work either. They're not going to stay with it. They're not going to do it. And then they lose the value from you and you lose the client. So, hitting what they want, listening to them, understanding the person, asking lots and lots of questions about who 
what they've done and who they are, um, I find the more times you ask why, the further you get into it. So if you ask why once, you're going to get one layer deep. If you ask it five times, you're going to get five layers deep. So it's taking the time to understand the individual, but at the same time getting the results because that's what's going to bring out those, that information. Mm, awesome. Um, I, I guess, you know, you mentioned you had like the more the movement thing going on and then you still have like uh, S&C style coaching as well. Like who are the type of people that you aim these services for? Are they like quite different, like radically different people from, you know, people who go, Oh yeah, I still want to just deadlift, um, you know, however X, X sort of kilos versus like the, the person who approaches you or who you approach for the, the more the movement stuff, like maybe you want to describe a bit more on that. Uh, I target people that trust me. Um, like we talked about before, I'm very much myself. I'm very much open and honest in the way that I share. Um, I'm definitely not what I would call a good businessman. So this is not business advice. This is just me being me again. Um, I target whoever's willing to listen basically. So yeah, I, I have, it's been interesting to see it evolve as people have got to know me better and listen to what I say. I noticed that the people coming from that strict strength conditioning world, are transitioning and are asking the questions about the more the movement and are part of the journaling course. And I think it's people, when it comes to Instagram and how you market and how you present yourself, I think people start to trust you. And whether you're offering service X or services Y, they're going to kind of blend together because they're after what you're offering not after necessarily exactly what those things are as individual products. And again, as long as you can find a way to link it as a beneficial practice, everyone eventually has the potential to be open to these things. So the more they see it, the more open they are to it. Uh, I'd say I've been more successful again, from a business standpoint of picking up the more just athletic based clients. So that that's still the greater demand. Uh, but I do see a shift coming over and over to the other side. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think that's an important point and probably goes back to your, um, that point in your life where you'd, you realize, oh, it's all about the sharing, right? Like you wouldn't have been able to build all this trust with people unless you went out there and started, started sharing this journey. I think myself as well, like if you went <laughs> but popping up all the time, I, didn't, I wouldn't have got that sense of... Um, of Daniel, like after the first time that we, that we met as well. So yeah, I think just keep on doing what you're doing, man. It's like really impactful. Thanks man. Appreciate it. And yeah, like if I wanted to make a lot more money, I probably should have just, I could have kept my Instagram account just purely performance based and I Mm. probably would have had twice as many clients, but it wouldn't have felt as good. So yeah. Hey, maybe let's jump across over to like your, your own physical practice. Um, you know, something that, I always know is that you're up like on the dot four, four thirty, like every morning, like before the sunrise, you're out there on on the beach doing your thing. Yeah, maybe just take us through like what you what you do for yourself. Yeah, my physical practice is a thing. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a genuine love and joy. So I, I figured I've been slowly figuring out a way to make it as big a part of my day as I possibly can. Uh, so right now, uh, my practice involves handstands, uh, it's pretty much a daily practice. 
gymnastic strength work is you know a few days a week as well i really enjoy that um i'm current my main i guess main practice at the moment main thing i'm focusing on is running uh, endurance running i'm working towards some ultra marathons um and that has been that's a lesson give for that one <laughs> if you want to get into endurance training you're gonna you're gonna discover a lot of crap about yourself um you're gonna find a lot of holes a lot of weaknesses someone's been great um I still strength train, uh, like more traditional style as well. And a lot of that is, I, I would call that really research-based. Uh, I don't tailor it super well to my own goals because I'm trying to figure out ways that it's going to benefit my athletic-based coaching. Uh, so I devote a lot of, uh, sort of sacrifice myself to the cause there. Um, I rock climb a few times a week as well. It's something I really enjoy. Uh, and I think that's everything at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's like super varied. And I guess for the guys listening in who don't know, like Daniel is preparing to do 100Ks like when took ultra marathon. It's not just like, <laughs> well, yeah, ultra marathon is already long, but 100 is, is, is like super long. And yeah. You're preparing to, yeah, you're preparing to do it just by yourself as well. So not even in a race environment like that. That for me, that makes me stressed <laughs> hearing about that. Yeah, that, I think that, that can give you a bit of an insight to how my mind works. It's just, I don't want it to be easy. I don't want it to be, I feel like a race, I'm, I'm a hyper competitive person. Like if you start eating your rice faster than me, I'm going to eat it faster than you. Like it's just everything in life I do is just super competitive. So I know that if I enter a race, I'm not going to, there's no way that I'm not going to finish. But when you go solo and you have to carry everything yourself and you're doing it on a weekday so everyone's at work and no one can come and help you, it, it takes you into a different place and you need to access something different. And that could probably be a bit of an insight into perhaps my childhood <laughs> mirroring some things there. But it's, it's just something I, I want to... For me, the physical praxis is an experiential outlet. It exposes me to a new range of experiences every single time. And if I can be open to it and I can stay curious enough and I can be prepared to do the work to be able to push myself to these limits uh, or perceived limits, I'm going to experience things that I wouldn't have experienced otherwise. And that's all we can really do every day is we can experience things and share those experiences. And I think the more time I devote to it and the more energy and you know, the more of myself that I put into it. If, if you look at my business, it's Merikai. It's, that stands for uh, means putting a part of yourself into what you do. And I think that's represented in my physical practice. It's I run and I cycle for transport. It's how I get around. It's, but it also becomes a physical practice. I handstand because it gives me an excuse to go to the beach in the morning and watch the sunrise every day. So it links into all these other things that just enhance my own human experience. Yeah, that's awesome, man. This is like, you know, you're really walking the walk. Um, you know, when when you put this stuff out there, I think people can really feel that as well. It's like, oh, you know, you're putting yourself on the line and experimenting with all, all these like different concepts and pushing your body to the limits to perhaps maybe in, inform your coaching as well, right? Like um, this all comes back to something also beyond beyond yourself because then you can you can tell people and maybe like what, what the limit is you know maybe i don't need to run an ultra marathon but you can say oh you know when you when you reach that mental limit you're gonna you're gonna find something yeah yeah it's it's you know people talk about as a coach do you need to be able to 
do it or have to, should you have the experience what the person's going through? And sure, you don't have to have exactly the same experience, but to be able to truly relate to someone and to be able to like help and actually empathize and be able to understand and guide them through that process when they do struggle, you need to have experienced something similar yourself. You need to be, like you said, walking the walk. You, you have to be in it. If you're not in it as a, as a coach, then as a practitioner yourself, as a coach, you're not going to be in it either fully. You're, you're sitting on the sidelines and people can feel that. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you come up with these, these things, such as like, I'm going to run a hundred K, how does that process come out? Is that sort of like you see someone else doing it or this idea pops into your mind? Yeah. Maybe do you want to expand a bit on that? Yeah. It'd be a combination of both. Like I sort of, I took up running again because I just wanted to get fitter and healthier. Like as I was, sort of moving away from just strength-based training and transition to everything else. I just, I wanted to get fitter. I wanted to have, uh, actually, no. And the reason I started running was I started doing a lot more uh, hiking. It's something I've always enjoyed even as younger. And I realized that if I run, I could go further, <laughs> basically. And I wanted to see more cool places and I wanted to experience more cool things. So again, it's an experiential-based thing. And then, you know, you start doing that and you start getting into the hardship of it. And like, this is a grind. And then, you watch David Goggins on Instagram and it's like, well, fuck, we did a hundred Ks. I want to do a hundred Ks. I don't know. I just, it, it's, it's, it's a combination of just sort of seeing something that sparks a thing, uh, an idea. My competitive side comes out. It's like, well, if he did a hundred, I want to do 200 one day. Like it's, it's, it's just letting myself be curious and just go with whatever feeling is there and making a commitment to it for as long as I enjoy it. Yeah. I think you mentioned like some good points, which was like, you know, you, you you wake up and then you do handstands because then it allows you to see the sunrise and experience the beach like every day like you want to run all this distance because then it enables you to you know hike a lot more than you want before like that motivator i really like that it's like this motivator is not just because like i don't know you just want to get jacked or something maybe existing more on the I don't, yeah, maybe like on the superficial layer, but it's so that you can enhance your experience of your, of your life a bit, like with your transport as well, how you, how you bicycle around. I think that's, that's really cool, man. Um, you know, it makes me reflect on about how I approach some of the stuff as, as, as well. Um, cause you certainly have a really varied practice, um, that, that I would like to, 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 to reach to as well. Yeah, it's, 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 it's chasing the experience. It's chasing the work with that, that we're able to do today and the, the, the base we set for ourselves gives us a platform to jump to something new tomorrow. And if we don't do that today and we don't practice and we don't, if I don't run today or tomorrow or whatever it is, I'm not going to be able to go to Switzerland and you know, do a 40K hike in a day while everyone else is doing the 20K. So I get to go to that peak and it's, it's setting the base today for what you can do tomorrow. I think is, is the greatest motivator I'll ever have. And I don't need anything else really beyond that. It's I'm going to get understanding from it and lessons and, and I'm going to be able to experience more things tomorrow. So sure. You don't have to do 50 things and you don't have to train five hours a day. And for many people, that's obviously not very practical, but it's like directing and pinpointing what you are doing in a direction that's going to open up more, more things for you. Mm. And I guess that goes back to like your other 
a mental spiritual side of the practice where you can be really clear with the intent of why you're doing things. Um, and then, so you, you don't question that as much because you're like, Oh, this is like what I'm supposed to be doing as well. Yeah. Yeah, sure. There'd definitely be some runs that I would have stopped if I didn't have a clear picture on one. <laughs> I know I would, I would probably give up after like 10 K. I'd be like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> Pretty much. So like, how, how do you approach like the, maybe the, the art of, out of learning? Cause I know, you know, say like the, the handstand stuff you were mentioning the other day is like a pretty new area for, for you as well. But, you know, just seeing like the, the work you're putting into it and, and your approach, you know, you're progressing at this like really fast rate as well. Like um, how, how do you approach normally learning a new area or concept that's, that's foreign to you? Yeah. So I still haven't broken, uh, I guess, bad habits of always trying I don't know. I look at it in a couple of different ways. I think it's, it's a non-optimal approach, but I think the learning is greater and deeper by diving in and just trying things. Uh, I'll look at something quickly online and sort of apply my own just understanding of it. And I'll just dive in and practice and just start doing something and start playing. And then if it's something that I'm really interested in, like after doing handstands for a little bit, I was like, no, I, I do really enjoy this. I'll go out and talk to someone or hire someone that knows a lot more than me. And I'll take the lessons from them. Um, a really unloyal client in the sense that I'll, I'll see lots of different coaches and uh, pure, again, it's probably not the most optimal way to make progress uh, in the short term, but I just like to expose myself to different teaching styles uh, and different lessons within that. Again, it's part of the sort of self-sacrifice. I think by going through that process in a, in a suboptimal way, you, you get a greater, broad, a broader range of understanding and you take many paths to the same spot so that you, you can sort of understand those different paths as opposed to getting this nice, beautiful streamlined path that is possible um, if you do it sort of just by hiring a coach straight away who's, who's going to be really good there. So it's, it's very experimental. Uh, I'm very, again, experience-based and, and research-based. I'm only science-based as much as I need to. Um, that has its own flaws. So, you know, that's a another topic for another day perhaps but it's yeah dive in see what i discover about it talk to smarter people than myself and then i then i'll break away from them again and apply that myself and continue that process until we get somewhere yeah awesome but i guess with the um with the fact that you're a coach as well like how do you think that affects normally when you interact with another coach as well you know do do you sometimes wish you're like, oh, I was just like a beginner, beginner, like I didn't have no anything about this? Or do you find that, but yeah, do, do you like find that it can be restrictive or does it normally enable like a deeper understanding? What What do you think? Uh, yeah. Look, both to a certain degree. Um, when you find a coach that relates to you well and can understand you well, like I've had some really good experiences there, it can help foster a greater understanding because they give you the space to figure it out. They just give you enough. Um, but then if I get in this a situation where someone's trying to give me heaps and like, I try not to be, but it's, you get stuck in a bias that you create yourself already and it goes against that. It can be quite conflicting. Um, especially if it's something that I do think I know quite well already. Um, so for example, I, I've, I've never really had a strength coach. Um, I've had a weightlifting coach, uh, but not a, like just a pure strength coach because I always just feel like I could figure it out myself, maybe not better, but I, I want to try it this way, not that way. Cause I know what I like and that's a big thing as well. 
So I think it's important to find a coach that suits me. Uh, it would be nice just to enter in as a completely blind beginner and, and just take the easy road. Um, but it can miss a bit of understanding there sometimes. Mm. I, I guess um, I always think as well, like when uh, playing the role of the coach, you know, for yourself, it's like super difficult because I think there's a quote out there. It's like, uh, if you're coaching yourself, then, um, then your client is like the biggest idiot or something like that. <laughs> um, oh, <100%. laughs> when, when you go about, you know, setting things down for yourself, like how, how are you on yourself? Like, are you really disciplined? Like you mentioned that it's a bit exploratory research based. So maybe that's like one part of it, but are there other parts where you're like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to really do this maybe to get that hundred K's. Like how, how do you, how do you approach that? Yeah. So it pretty much comes down to the importance of, of the goal of what I'm trying to achieve. So the hundred kilometer run is it's becoming pretty important to me. It's, it's, I've given a lot of value. Um, so I'm, yeah, a lot more strict with how I am, I'm structuring it and, and, you know, how I'm going about the process, but something like the athletic stuff that I'm working on at the moment, I'm not even sprint training. So it's kind of, it's not going to benefit me that much in that sense. So I want the training experience itself to be really enjoyable, um, as opposed to working towards a really specific goal. And that changes all the time. Like when I was powerlifting training for myself, I'm, I can be very, very strict and disciplined. Um, it just depends on the importance of the goal, um, how much value and time I'm putting into it. Yeah. Sweet, man. Um, maybe I just want to like sidetrack here a little bit as well and go back to like this, um, this concept of like, um, you know, getting into movement and, and movement culture, this sort of thing. Um, I guess one question I'd like to ask is just like, you know, when, when we talk about movement, like what, what does that mean to you? Like if I just mm. go like, Hey, like you're into movement. If someone was to ask you, uh, what, what is that? Like, how, how would you respond? Yeah, that's a very good question. But it's something we're thinking about more. Um, yeah, look, I think when I look at movement and when I think about what movement is, I think it is encompasses everything we do. So anyone can call themselves a mover if you move uh, in a deliberate way. Obviously, going to work and walking for the sake of it. I don't think that that fits within the, the movement. So fire alarm testing. <laughs> but I think yeah, uh, to fit within like to be part of the movement, it's or what is movement? It's it's applying a deliberate intention, whether it's just a physical intention or it's it's something deeper as well to a physical practice that is there to benefit you in some capacity. Mm. Um, I know it's a very broad thing, but I think that's what it is. And that's what movement is. I don't, I see it being very closed off and it's like, unless you're doing gymnastics, handstands and locomotion, you're not a mover. Well, it's like, yeah, potentially if you want to like, like compartmentalize it, sure, we can do that. But I think we need to broaden it out and just include anything and, it involves variety and uh, understanding your body better. Mm. The better you understand, the better you understand the movement. For the person who's like starting and starting to find out more about, you know, movement or whatever, or asking the deeper questions about their own practice, you know, if we could rewind back the time and you could speak to a younger version of yourself who's, you know, starting to ask these questions, you know, go, oh, maybe there's something more than, all this stuff that I've been doing. 
is there something that you wish that you could have told yourself? Yeah. And like it's, you can give the classic cheesy answer of, uh, I wish I was did everything the same because I'm happy with where I'm going right now. But if there's something that I could have improved and I could recommend to other people to connect, find locals, find people doing similar stuff. I guarantee there's someone out there. Even if you don't think they are find a gym close by that has, you know, uh, good teachings and yeah, is a good community and involve yourself in the culture of it. Mm. Um, it's been called the movement culture, not just movement. And, uh, the more you get involved with that, the more connections you're going to get from multiple different levels. I have some good friends that I've met through online movement communities. And uh, the more you can connect with others, the more lessons you learn about yourself. Because if you find good friends and good people, they're going to expose those things about you. Um, and they're going to force you to ask harder questions. And they're going to teach you how to talk and how to listen and how to be involved with that. So don't be afraid to go and connect. Don't be afraid to be a beginner and too shy to go and share what you have already because you don't think it's much. That would be a big part of why I didn't, I think, because I didn't think I was ready enough. I wasn't mobile enough. Start where you are and just be 100% confident in the fact that you can only be where you are. Connect with others and let it breed and grow from there. I think that's a powerful reminder, man. You know, we were, we were talking before. I think, um, you know, it's really easy to get stuck stuck in you know just for yourself and just think that uh you know like i'm just especially i think with the availability of resources that are on the internet now because then you kind of feel like oh, i should just be self-directed because all the information's out there right like uh so i can find it myself but you realize like the simplicity of just reaching out and then asking somebody a question and how that can really just cut down the amount of time that you spend struggling sometimes to understand a, a thing yeah Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned, you know, how, um, strong camps, how has been like a, like really strong influence for you. Um, and so like, yeah, did you, did you end up meeting, meeting him? Uh, yeah, you- I've had the opportunity to, to learn from him and, and meet him a couple of times now. Uh, I'm part of the online movement university, which he runs with, uh, John Yuen and, and Murph, Jonathan Murph. Uh, so that's been great. He came out here for some workshops last time and that was cool. And we also got to spend a few days in the desert over in uh, California just last year as well, which was a really awesome experience as well. And he's a super stoic individual and but very insightful and uh, yeah, a lot of great lessons there. And how was that man? Like, I guess he inspired a lot of this growth in the journey early on. Um, how, how did you feel when you finally, you know, met the guy in the flesh? Um, was, was that you just attended a workshop or did you send him a message? How, how did that go? Yeah. So uh, like even before the workshop, I connected a little bit online and sort of tried to seek out a little bit more information from him. And um, once the online movement university started the OMU, it was um, an awesome opportunity to just be able to like connect on a more, I guess, friendship-based level, it became a lot closer and more tight-knit. So it kind of, I guess it lost that feeling of being, wow, it's, it's strong hands, like, I can't wait to talk to this guy. And it just became getting to learn from a colleague and getting to learn from someone cool. He's a very down-to-earth person and there was never really much of that, wow, I'm not really one of those people either. I'm not, I don't really, if I see a celebrity, I don't care type thing. So it's, it's just, it's just cool to get to know the guy and, and be able to form a friendship there as well. And um, he did have a massive influence on me. So it's, 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 I'm very grateful for that and grateful to go and know him more now and continue that influence and 
um, the lessons I'm able to gain from him. I guess that's a, an important reminder of, you know, all these people who are sharing these things and, you know, when you read their content, even like famous writers and stuff, they're just, they're just like other guys and girls in the end that, that you can meet as well. And I've, I've had the same as well when I've reached out and you meet people in person, you're just like, Oh, they're just like a normal person now, you know, like it's funny how sometimes the person on the other end as well, there's probably people, you know, viewing your content as well from across the other side of the world who are kind of like going, who's this like Daniel guy is on the beach every day, like doing this crazy stuff. <laughs> then maybe one day they're going to, they're going to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's, obviously doesn't happen much. I'm not, I'm not a huge on Instagram by any means, but it does happen occasionally and you get messages like that. And it's, 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 it is weird. Like I find it, I don't know how to react to that. I find it, I find it very weird. Like I'm again, super grateful for that, but it's it's an unusual thing we are all just we're all just there's no one special in that sense like we're all just people we're all just figuring stuff out we're all on the same journey sure some of us might be a little bit more progressed in one area but everyone's still just like another human being and i think everybody can be relatable and if you're just willing to reach out in an honest and open way then you can form connections with everyone yeah awesome man i think this is probably a good time to like start wrapping it up so maybe like do you just want to go through like where people can find you and you know um maybe some of the stuff that you're you're working on at the moment so you know if they're interested they can they can hit you up and then find out a little bit more yeah awesome so i guess the current projects working on are more the movement so if that is something that people want to do and dive a little bit further into their physical practice and start to apply creativity and critical thinking uh, that'd be a great place there. And that you can find that at teachingmovespeople.com. Um, or you can search me up on Instagram, which is Merakai Performance, M-E-R-A-K-I. Um, and for any coaches who are Sydney-based, especially, or even interstate, if you're willing to travel, uh, we have a two-day coaching course coming up, which will be diving into the sort of allied health professionals around what it uh, takes to be a good personal trainer. So there's physiotherapy, nutrition, psychology, uh, physiology and strength and conditioning, which is more of a mobility focus. So if you're interested in that, we have a two day course coming up in March as well. And that can be found on the M3 initiative.com. Awesome. sounds like, yeah, you got a number of interesting things going out there, like officially as well, you know, to, um, to check out. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be checking those things out myself. And I guess, you know, just keep on doing your thing, man. Keep on being yourself, honest, sharing your thoughts because, you know, at least, I'm reading as well and it also always you know either brings a smile or gets me to think a little bit deeper about what I'm doing every day as well so I, I gotta thank you for that thanks man I really appreciate it and that's it that was another episode of the passive hang thanks Dan for sitting down and sharing the time with me I really appreciate it my name's Fayon if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me via Instagram at P-H-A-O-N-P and please send me a message. Now the Passive Hang, this is a podcast about the movement culture and it's really my journey into finding out a little bit more about what's going on in this whole rise of this new thing called movement. I find it really intriguing myself. And so if you guys want to find out anything more about it yourself and you want me to start asking the questions, please get in touch. Send me the question.